listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. We're going to cover this today. In just a moment, I'm going to talk about why your Christian faith cannot crumble, why they've not been able to disprove the Christian faith, why you have a defense for your Christian faith, and can always be secure in knowing that what Jesus did really took place and that you can believe it and that you don't have to just say, well, I just have faith that it's true. You can actually prove these things historically. And we're going to talk a little bit about that in the time that we have left today. I want to say what's up to everybody. It's good to have you on the broadcast. Take a minute to share before we go. Uh, Hey, Doreen, uh, because this is going to be a good one. This is one of my favorite type of subjects because there are so many in our generation, mine and younger, that are being hammered. I mean, you think about what's going on in media, you know, what's going on in in, uh, universities, public schools. They're hammering the Christian faith. Even in, let me just say this, even in Bible schools, even in Bible schools, it's why we started Miracle Word U. I was complaining to God about uh, how liberal and unbelieving the even the seminaries were, and I would see kids come in uh, to our revivals and be, catch on fire for God and be excited about being a Christian and called to preach or whatever. Then they go to these liberal universities where these professors talk them out of their fire, talk them out of believing in the Holy Spirit's operation in today's society, talk them out of even believing in an inerrant inspired Bible. It's insane. And I was complaining to God and he just simply said, why don't you do something about it? And so Miracle Word University was birthed and we're doing our very best to teach the doctrines of the Bible from a Pentecostal perspective to this next generation. Those that are hungry to learn it, study it, we're making it available. So uh, there are many people that are trying to hammer Christianity, hammer your belief in Christ, hammer your belief in the Bible. And um, it's something that we need to know about because you will be questioned. You will be questioned throughout your life. You really believe that? Why do you believe that? And the reason that we have to be ready to give an answer is because we're commanded to in Scripture. Peter wrote to us in one of his epistles and said that you've got to be always ready to give an answer for those that have a question about the hope that lies within you or the, the belief that you have in Christ. So it is important for a Christian to be able to give some basic answers about why they believe what they believe. <clears throat> Today, and of course, if you missed Wednesday and we covered uh, this subject on uh, the Bible, going back and understanding why we can believe the Bible, you've got to go back and watch that if you haven't already. It's from this Wednesday. And then yesterday, uh, we we covered some other things that are help you answer questions but today, it's basic, based on the Christian faith. Why can we say that we believe in Christianity? Why is Christianity different than Islam? Why is it different than Buddhism or Hinduism? Why is it different than New Age philosophy? Uh, we're going to deal with that and why your faith can stand the test of time and stand sure and be solid. Good morning, Michael. And so let's get into this today. Um I want to start again by reading a verse of scripture that we read, uh, I believe it was two days ago, and uh, it's found in 2 Peter chapter 1. And this is very important, by the way, 
Very, very important. If you have your Bible, I want you to open it with me to see this. Because one of the things that people don't get about studying Scripture is that they don't understand it's not just blind faith. We're not just believing these things in blind faith, although we have faith in what Jesus said, and I have faith in what God did, and I have faith in his word. But 2 Peter chapter 1 is where we're going to start, and I'm going to read you verses 16 through 21. And this is very important. You got to listen to this. Peter's speaking about what they're preaching and teaching and what they believe. Listen to what he said. He said, for we are not making up clever stories. When we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. Stop right there and understand their eyewitnesses. Verse 17, when he received honor and glory from the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Again, eyewitnesses. Verse 19, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ, the morning star, shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. They spoke from God. So understand this. Um, they were eyewitnesses. Now, this is something I want to deal with today in what we understand about Christianity. And I'm going to say something to you here um, that may blow your mind, <clears throat> but it needs to be said and you need to hear it. That was 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. So I want to say something to you here, and I want you to write this in the comments because many people have never thought of this before. And of course, it's it's taught widely by apologists. But, but think about it. If we never had a completed Bible, if we never had a completed Bible, we could still have Christianity. If we never had a completed Bible, we could still have Christianity. And so I want, I want to break that down and kind of unpack it for you so you understand what I mean by that. It's not that I'm, I'm not saying by any means that we don't need the Bible. <laughs> Far from that. If you listen to the last two days of what I taught on this broadcast, you'll understand how much not only do I love and appreciate the word, but how amazing it is that we have the scripture in our hands that matches what they had in the first century in the New Testament. So I'm not by any means saying that we don't need the Bible. What I'm saying is we don't need a full Bible. We don't, we don't need the fullness of scripture to prove Christianity, nor do we need the fullness of scripture to establish Christianity. Literally, we could have Christians on the earth today with no Bible. Because the basis of Christianity is not the Bible, it's what happened in history. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that, because Paul, 
Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's an important thing to understand because uh, people think that, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of a Christian I could be. I mean, the Bible is such an intimidating book. I've never read it all the way through. And, you know, and, and, and they don't even realize Christianity doesn't have anything to do with having a full canon of scripture at all. It has to do with a historical fact. And I'm going to show you this uh, in 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is teaching this literally to the Corinthian church in one of his, in his first letter to them. 1 Corinthians 15, um, and let me read to you starting in verse 1, okay? Listen closely and carefully to what Paul's teaching. He said, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I, I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you're being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the 12, and then he appeared to more than 500 of his brothers or the brothers at one time most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. Listen to this. But by the grace of the Lord, and let me, let me jump down so that you, that you can see this. Go down to um, verse 12. Listen to this now. He continues in verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? See that? If he's raised from the dead, how can you say there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Verse 14. Now here, this hinges, all of your Christianity hinges on this. Think about this. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Go down to verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Do you see that? Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And so I want you to, if you didn't write it, I want you to write it, that even if we never had a completed Bible, we could still have Christianity. People get bent out of shape about that. Well, let me explain something to you. None of the early church in the first century had a completed Bible. They had the Old Testament scriptures that the Jews had for thousands of years. Of course, we know that. Maybe they had the gospel records that were being copied and taken around to different believers. The book of Acts was still happening, by the way, and Paul's letters were not written for the, the first believers yet. Peter's epistles were not written. The book of Revelation was not even written until AD 95 at a late date. So you think about the fact that um, the whole Bible, the whole New Testament was not even available for those Christians, but they were still Christians. Why were they, why were they Christians? That's the question. Why and how were these people Christians 
if they didn't have a Bible. They didn't have the full New Testament because of what Paul says right here. Christianity is not based upon having an entire canon of scripture. It's not based on having every book in the Bible. It's based upon hearing the gospel. It's based upon hearing the gospel. And Paul said this, I preached to you what was proclaimed to me. And and he's preaching the message of the gospel, which includes Jesus rose from the dead. Now, what do you have to do to be saved? I'm posing the question, what do we have to do to be saved? Well, Paul taught the church at Rome that you, number one, have to hear the gospel. You, number one, have to hear the gospel. So here's the question. What is the gospel? The gospel is a very easy thing to define. And by the way, it is not anything you preach out of the Bible. You know, you could go preach a message from something out of the Bible and you're still not preaching the gospel. Because everything that you may preach out of the Bible is not the gospel. The gospel is a very specific message. What is the gospel? The gospel is Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He not only was proven to be the Messiah by his infilling of the Holy Spirit, the miracles which he performed, but then he was crucified, shed his sinless blood on the cross, and then died buried. And then the Bible teaches us on the third day, he was uh, raised from the dead. He then ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the father, sent us the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. He's making intercession for us and he's coming again soon. That's the gospel. It's very simple. That's a very brief summary of the gospel. And I covered all the major points that are important. All of the major points that are important. And so understand that is the message one must hear to be saved. Paul taught that in Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 10. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1.16. And then he teaches what some call the Romans road to salvation, Romans chapter 10. How can they be how can they believe in something they've not heard? How can they hear unless a preacher preaches it to him? And how can he preach unless he's sent? He goes backwards through the logical train of thought that nobody can be saved unless they hear the gospel. So Paul's teaching, what does it take to be saved? Well, two things. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Very plain and very simple. You hear the gospel message and you have to be able to claim Jesus is Lord. And you've got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Those two things are are the transition into your salvation. In fact, Um, It could be truly said that for a Christian, you know, because people teach, well, you know, you have to literally um, repent of your sins. Which ones? Do you have to list every specific sin? Because people will will take verses of scripture from um, the New Testament that are written to believers. You know, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so they'll use a verse that's written to believers and say, well, that's what sinners have to do. They've got to confess their sins. Well, which ones do you have to confess? 
What if there's sin if there's ones you don't know about? What if it was a sin of omission versus a sin of commission? You know, how do you, that's not the, that's not the way you get saved. You don't get saved by confessing your sins. That's not in the Bible. Now, that's written to believers after you've been saved, but it's not what you do before you're saved. And so you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And as you do, the Bible said, you shall be saved. And so it's very simple. You hear the gospel message. Uh, you believe it by faith. God gives you faith to believe. And then you're saved by confessing Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. So this hinges upon, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. I believe Jesus was raised from the dead. Now, Paul makes that point very strongly, very strongly to the Corinthians. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then my preaching and your faith is in vain. Doesn't matter at all because salvation is based on the fact Jesus did rise from the dead. And so if he didn't, there's a big problem. But we go back now. I want you to remember this. The books we have, and I, I taught on this on Wednesday, and this is why I want you to remember it. The books that we have in the Bible are not just something somebody put together one time because there was Christianity. These are historical documents from antiquity that have been discovered all over the world by secular archaeologists and are still being discovered. More and more manuscripts are being discovered every single year. We have far more proof of manuscript evidence for the New Testament than in any other document in antiquity. And I came back and corrected myself in the, in the comments on Wednesday because I was mentioning um, Homer's Iliad the Iliad, which was written by Homer as, you know, a poetic work. And it's the next closest document from antiquity to the New Testament documents. And uh, I was quoting you old data, so I updated the data in the comment. <clears throat> They've now found just under 2,000 manuscript copies of the of Iliad by Homer. Under 2,000. The New Testament documents, there are over 6,000. 6,000 manuscripts or fragments of the New Testament that have been discovered thus far. So literally the next closest document in antiquity has less than one third of the number of manuscripts that we have for the New Testament. These things aren't just made up. These things aren't just like, you know, somebody sat down one day and said, you know what? Christianity needs a good book. No, these are things that were written all the way back to the beginning where it couldn't be forged or faked by eyewitnesses. And, I, and it's interesting because it was written, and this is the point I want to hinge this on today, it was written in the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. So the people who believed in Jesus were not the only ones who saw Jesus. People who didn't believe in him, those that were his critics, those that were his skeptics, they saw him with their own eyes and were alive at the time of his resurrection. And Paul makes that point very clear when he's teaching the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15. Notice how he breaks down who saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. 
First, he was seen by Peter. Now, if all he was was seen by Peter, a lot of people could say, you know, that's a conspiracy. Peter was one of the ones that loved him the most, and I'm sure wished he had come back from the dead. And so, you know, Peter says he saw Jesus alive. I don't believe him personally. I don't believe he he is alive. If he only showed himself to Peter, there could have been a great, great discrepancy and a, and a conspiracy theory there. But he didn't just do that. The Bible says not only that, but he then showed himself to the 12, his whole 12 disciples. They saw him. Well, same thing there. You could say, well, they were his disciples. You know, that was his team. And uh, they wanted him to be raised from the dead because he kept prophesying he would be. And they said that it, that they saw him, but nobody else saw what they saw. Jesus didn't stop there. In God's infinite wisdom, he allowed Jesus to look at this, then show himself to over 500 people at one time. Now, keep something in mind here. Please keep this in mind. Don't just look at this as the Bible. Look at this as a historical record because that's what it is. The letters of Paul are a historical document. They're the they're historical documents. Nobody in their right mind puts doubt in the fact that Paul wrote the letters he wrote. I'm talking about even historians and people that study uh, uh, literature from antiquity. You know, people, you're not saying, oh, Paul wasn't the writer. No, he was the writer. And he was there. And look who's he, look who he's addressing in these historical documents. He's addressing eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses. 500. He said, oh, gee, he said, you remember, Jesus showed himself to over 500 of you at one time. And he, then he goes on to say this, most of the 500, you're still alive. He said, some have died, but the majority of you are still here. You're still alive. And so he's addressing eyewitnesses. He's addressing people who saw what he's preaching about. Do you know, even psychologists have looked at this and said, there's no way, you know, because one of the arguments is these are people that so love Jesus that they wanted to see him so bad that they all had a psychotic break and they had a delusion at the same time to see Jesus in that time. No, even psychologists that aren't Christians have said it would be impossible for, for 500 people to all have the exact same delusion at the exact same time. It's just not possible. It's not even scientifically feasible for that to have taken place. He is addressing eyewitnesses who saw Jesus Christ with their own eyes after his death, burial, and resurrection. And he's he's putting it out there uh, as proof. That's what Paul's doing. He's saying, listen, you know what I'm talking about. Jesus got up. You all saw him get up. You all saw him alive with nail scars in his hands. You saw him. You're standing here today, many of you still alive, and you know what I'm talking about. Well, here's a question I pose to you. Why is it that we have 6,000 documents and, and manuscript copies and fragments of the New Testament all attesting that these things in history are true, 
These documents date way back, way back. It's not something they found that was like copied in like the 18th century. We're going back. We're going all the way back to the time of Christ. Why is it that we have all of that from antiquity? Why do we have all these documents from history and we don't have one, not one document of this age where there were eyewitnesses of people that were still alive? Why don't we have one witness saying, Listen, I was there. I was there, and these people are lying. Jesus didn't show himself to us. Jesus was not there. You know, we all got together, you know, in a pub and made it up. You know, we just said, you know what would be great is if we came up with a, uh, if we if we came up with a story that Jesus is alive. Wouldn't that be great? Why don't we have any historical evidence? Why is there not any manuscript evidence? Why is nothing written from anybody that was an eyewitness that said, this was all a lie. Jesus is not raised. And they had time to do it. And let me go on to say, they had motive to do it. What do I mean by that? Well, they didn't just have the time to do it. It was within their lifetime. So they had plenty of time to write letters and documents and all this. And there's not any. But let me just go on to tell you, they had motive to write those kinds of letters. Why? Because the church was being was under such heavy persecution in the first three centuries that they were torturing, I mean, violently, horribly torturing God's people, murdering them. And all they had to do was confess, it's all a lie. Jesus is not alive. He's not the Messiah. He's not the Lord. He didn't rise from the dead. It was all a lie. All they had to do was deny Christ, but they wouldn't. They took this confession into eternity and were willing to be eaten by lions. They were willing to be sawed in half. They were willing to be crucified like Christ. They were willing to be murdered and slaughtered, sometimes in front of crowds of people as a form of entertainment and enjoyment. They were willing to be violently tortured along with their wives and children to keep the confession, Jesus is not dead, he's alive. Now, do not tell me that they were just so excited about their conspiracy that they just wanted to die for it. Nobody dies for a lie. Hear me, nobody is tortured and killed for a lie. If you're in the midst of torture or about to be tortured, you'll tell the truth if you know it wasn't a lot, it wasn't true anyway and you could get out of the pain. None of them were willing to do that. Not one of them was willing to say it was all a lie. I, I don't want don't kill me, don't kill my family. I was I was a lie. We we made it up. Nobody was willing. They're martyred. They're martyred and they're dead and they're blessed for it. According to scripture, those that give their life for the gospel of Jesus Christ are blessed for it. And none of them were willing. So explain to me how we have all these people that were eyewitnesses at the lifetime of Jesus Christ who had plenty of time to write uh, rebuttals, who had plenty of motive to write rebuttals, and no one did. Why don't we have... You know, it's not like you can suppress these things because it's it's not you think only you think it's Christian uh, archaeologists that are finding the New Testament. You think it's 
Christian archaeologists and historians that are, that are finding the New Testament. And that as the New Testament is being found all over the world, that the New Testament documents all line up with each other and say the same thing, minus the textual variants, which we talked about on Wednesday. Do you realize how, how crazy it would be for you to say someone changed the Bible throughout history? They've proven that that's not even possible. It's not even possible for somebody who wanted to manipulate the doctrines of Scripture to have manipulated them. Because the, the, the New Testament exploded across the world in the first centuries exploded. I mean, it was in, it was in Europe. It was in Turkey. It was in Africa, Alexandria. They found manuscripts down all the way to the Alexandrian manuscripts in Egypt. You, you, you've got stuff all over the world buried under the ground that nobody even knew about until they were discovered. And once they dug them up and found them, they all match. You couldn't have, you couldn't have changed them. What are you going to have somebody in early when there was no technology, people traveled around the world, located every manuscript and made changes to, to major do- doctrines and, and somehow made up that Jesus was the son of God and the deity of Christ and that he was Lord and somehow inserted that into, uh, you know, all the manuscripts or, I mean, you think some, some Christian did that? It's impossible. Not to mention that even if they did, even if they were able to do that, as they've done with other documents later on through, scholars can easily detect their penmanship. They can easily detect that was added way later. That was changed. That's not even the same writer. They, it, it just, it cracks me up. People think like that. These are historical documents. You know, there's more evidence that Jesus existed and did what he did than Julius Caesar existed or that George Washington did what he did. But nobody doubts them. They still teach them in university without an issue. It's not the fact of history that makes people upset. It's the fact of spiritual truth and gospel that makes people upset. It's an antichrist spirit that makes people angry about these things. Did you ever notice that nobody gets as angry over Islam and the Quran as they do over Christians in the Bible? Have you ever noticed that? You ever notice there's nobody picketing outside of um, mosques as they teach the Quran. There's nobody going in screaming, you're a false teacher, a false prophet, standing up in their uh, mosques and screaming at imams, you're a false teacher, you're a false prophet. Notice nobody's doing that. You go to a nation where there's Sharia law and <laughs> nobody's standing up and trying to refute uh, the validity of the Quran. They just let it happen. Well, that's just, that's just the religion of our nation. They accept it. But when it comes to Christianity, there's people laying their bodies down in front of churches so that people can't drive into the parking lot. There's people picketing, people screaming, people that are willing to get violent about it. Why? What's the difference? The difference is that there's an anti-Christ spirit at work on the earth, an anti-Christ spirit. There's not an anti-Muhammad spirit working on the earth, anti-Christ. So you understand it's like, why is it so different with the Bible? I'll tell you why it's different with the Bible. Because it's God's holy word and the devil hates that. And the spirit of this world hates that and does everything that he can to withhold the truth from people. But Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can I tell you, search throughout history, the church is not shrinking. The church is expanding. Do you know that? Point to me uh, another time in history 
point to me at another time in history where you could point at over half a billion Pentecostal Christians on the face of the earth at any given time. Point me another time in history where that was true. Point me at another time in history where even among Pentecostal Christians, there were gatherings of over a million people at one time. Show me where that was. The church isn't shrinking, my friends. It's expanding. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Dr. Adeboye finished the Pentecostal Congress in Nigeria in December. And you know, when they hold that, you've seen the building, if you've seen us show it, or maybe you've seen my cousin show it, the building is three kilometers long by three kilometers wide. And they can hold between four to six million people in the building. Looks like a massive parking garage. When in history has there ever been uh, crowds of four million people coming to Pentecostal Christian gatherings. You know, music festivals have never had those kind of crowds. Sporting events, even the World Cup, has never had those kind of crowds. Nobody's had those kind of crowds in history, but we're having them now. The church isn't shrinking, as the statistics would have you to believe. It's expanding. Do you realize so many people from other religions are being saved in other nations that they're literally having to come up with a, a, an answer. Other other religions are having to come up with an answer as to what they can do to combat conversions into Christianity because it's happening so quickly. The church is expanding, expanding. You imagine if the rapture happened, let's say conservatively, conservatively, uh, you know, if we're saying, you know, well, let's go on the full side. Let's say every Roman Catholic and every professing Christian in the world left the earth tonight in the rapture. What do you think the world's going to say when they wake up in the morning and 1.4 billion people are gone? And the number may be more now, actually, since the last time I checked. 1.4 billion. What do you think the world's going to say when 1.4 billion people disappear? The church isn't shrinking. The church is expanding. Technology is even furthering the expansion of the church. We talked about the King James Bible over 400 years turning the world upside down. Think about the fact now that with apps like the YouVersion app, we're not just putting the King James Version in people's hands. We're putting every version of the Bible into the hands uh, of the people. All over the world. You think about it. You think about it. It's so readily available today that anybody can just have access for free to the Bible. I'm interested to see this. Um, so I'm, I'm Googling it right now. I want to know um, how many downloads. Listen to that. This is all the way back. Let me see when this was put out. Wow. And, and let me tell you, this was from seven years ago. I just I just downloaded the stats on the YouVersion Bible app. Seven years ago in 2013, 
it had already hit a hundred million downloads. A hundred million. Listen to this. Version Bible app to reach 300 million downloads by 2017, and that's still three years ago. Think about that. 10-year anniversary. This was 2018. Uh, on their 10-year anniversary, the, the, the Uversion Bible app has been downloaded 330 million times. 330 million. Let's see if they've given, uh, given us any statistics. Um, wow. 60 languages. Unbelievable. I was just looking to see if they've given anything that's even more uh, recent. But I mean, just go with 2018 count. Three, look at that, Cody had it. Over 405 million unique downloads. You can't tell me that the church is not expanding and more is not available than ever before. Now, amazing. I mean, I don't even know. I would have, I don't, I, I cannot speak on this because I have no idea about the statistics. Cody, can you quickly look for me what the world's population was in 1611? How many people lived on the earth in 1600? How many people lived on the earth in 1700? Oh, I guarantee it's a lot more than the Quran. But you think about 2,036 Bible versions. 2,036 Bible versions. Now let's go back and think about this. How many people were alive on the earth? Cody, if you have that number, pop it up for me. In 1600 or 1700. Because yes, I mean, I, as you heard me say the other day as we were talking about Bible translations, um, I love the King James Bible. I, I grew up on it. And, and listen, even as I preach, many of the verses that I quote out of my spirit come out in the King James Version. And so I would never, I'm not going to denigrate the King James Version just because we have modern translations. It's a phenomenal translation of the Bible. Phenomenal. Um. Look at that, 550 million, 545 million. So you think about this. Uh, the King James Version of the Bible went around the world after 1611. 600 million people were on the earth in 1700. So after almost 100 years had passed with the King James Version, there were 600 million people on the earth. But think about this, that the Version Bible app has already, what did Cody say a moment ago? 405 million unique downloads. That would be like saying that four out of every six people on the earth had a Bible in their hands. If you were to take it back to what the U version has done with how many people were on the earth in 1600 or 1700, I should say, because it was 600 million then. 400 and something unique downloads, but there were only 600, people, 600 million people back then. So even if the King James version of the Bible got put in the hands of every single person on the earth, which we know it didn't after a hundred years, it would still only have 200 million more than what we have today for unique downloads of the U version. Technology has so expanded 
the church. I mean, it's insane. It'll never take the place of preachers, but it can bring preaching. It can bring teaching. Can I tell you how many people access Miracle Word Radio around the world? Nations that I've never been to in my life that are logging on and listening to preaching and teaching 24 hours a day because we've made Miracle Word Radio available for free on our app and on the website and everything else. And people log on from all over the world and listen to it all the time. I mean, if it's if it if it has any kind of a glitch, if it's down for 30 seconds, I start getting messages. Hey, the radio's down. Hey, who's going to fix the radio? We were listening to this message. The radio's down. People are listening all over the world. I don't have to get on a plane and go preach the gospel to somebody uh, for, for that to be effective. Literally, it just never stops. Think about this. Because of technology, when I'm sleeping, I'm still preaching. <coughs> when I'm eating, I'm still preaching. If I'm driving, <clears throat> I'm still preaching. When I'm flying, I'm still preaching. I never... You think about it, because of technology, I am never not preaching at any second of any day for the rest of my life because of technology. <clears throat> it has multiplied me. It's multiplied other preachers. And so it's 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 supernatural. I mean, it's supernatural. And what we have <clears throat> is an expanding, strong, and vibrant religion. That is not based on the canon of scripture. It's based on a historical fact. What is that? By the way, if you don't if you don't notice what I just did for you in this broadcast, I just proved to you that the resurrection of Jesus is a historical fact. Or an historical fact, if you want to be so proper about it. The resurrection of Christ is an historical fact that is the basis upon the fact that Christianity is real or exists. Your faith is not based upon the book of Revelation. So, well, you know, there was people that had some doubts about the book of Revelation until there were more. It's not, my faith's not based on the book of Revelation. My faith's not based on anything except the resurrection of Christ, which is provable, provable by antiquity. We can see that people who were there saw him when he got up, over 500 of them, and were willing to die for the fact that they saw him. Literally, were willing to be tortured and killed for the fact that they saw him after his resurrection and their families and themselves personally were tortured and killed for that fact and never went back on it. Nobody that was an eyewitness ever wrote a letter that said, I was there, it didn't happen. Never. It happened. And people shed their blood for that fact. And if they could believe it, then tell you, I'm telling you something today. You and I can believe it with all of our hearts. If they were willing to die for it, give their life, be tortured, see their children die, see their wives die, we can believe it with all of our hearts. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. And if he's alive, he's coming soon. If he's alive, then everything else he said was true. Remember that. If Jesus is alive, which we just proved historically that he is, then everything else he said is true. Because <clears throat> it means he was a prophet. It means he was the son of God. It means that his prophecies did come true, which they did. And it means that the other things that he said and what others spoke about him is also coming to pass, which is that he's coming back again and he's coming back soon. And if you're watching this broadcast today, maybe you're watching it on the replay Maybe somebody shared it with you or you got a copy of the podcast somehow. You didn't even, you stumbled across my podcast and you're listening to me teach on this and you 
have never heard this stuff before, I want to give you an opportunity right now to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Because you might be watching and say, man, I didn't realize all this, but I know for a fact that if Jesus did come back today, I definitely wouldn't be ready to see him. I know there's things in my life that are wrong. I know there are things in my life that are sinful. That if if, if I had to stand in front of a holy, perfect God, I would feel the shame of my sin because I know there are things that are not right in my life. I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this broadcast to pray a prayer that we call the prayer of salvation. I mentioned it earlier. And as we pray this prayer, the Bible says when you pray it, when you confess Jesus is Lord, when you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so let me pray with you, those, those of you that are watching, you pray for those that may be unsaved. And let's pray this. And if you're, if you're watching and you, you know you need to pray this prayer, repeat it after me as I lead you in this prayer. Just say this, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I ask you now to forgive me of my sin and make me new. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And because I do, your word says I'm saved. From this day forward, strengthen me to serve you and live for you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to please you with my life until Jesus comes or until I die. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to me. If you prayed that prayer, this is so important. I want to be a blessing to you. I want to, I want to give you some next steps to take. Go to my website, miracleword.com. And when you get there, click on the button that says, I just got saved. And there's a very short video for you to watch from me. And then we want to connect with you. We want to give you resources. Listen to me. If you don't have a Bible, we want to send you a Bible as our gift to you to tell you how much we love you and appreciate you. We want to stay connected. We want to show you where you should start reading in the Bible to make the most out of your time as a new believer. And uh, so all you've got to do is go to miracleword.com and click the button that says, I just got saved. That's all you have to do. And the rest will help you with because we love you and we appreciate uh, what God's doing in your life. It's supernatural when someone gets saved. It's a miracle. And the Bible says all of heaven rejoices when even one person is saved. And so I'm happy today. If you prayed that prayer with me, I'm rejoicing with you. I'm I'm excited about what God's doing in your life because Jesus is coming soon. And I love you all that are watching me. Let me just encourage you that are watching. This is what we exist to do, to go around the world and tell people Jesus is alive, to show them the signs and wonders and miracles that he's capable of, and to see people delivered and changed by the power of God. If you're interested in being a part of that, of what God's calling Carolyn and myself to do around the world, I want to encourage you to get involved. There's never been a more important time to partner with a ministry like this than there is in 2020. We are coming to the end of time. Jesus is coming. And it's important to attach yourself and your finances to soul winning ministries, to deliverance ministries that are doing the work of Christ. And so I want to encourage you to partner with us today. You can do that very easily at miracleword.com where you can click on the partner button and you can get involved financially, monthly with this ministry and so and support what God's doing around the world. Uh, if you'd like to use 
Hashtag donate. If you're in Periscope or if you're on Facebook, you can do that as well. In the comments section, you can just type hashtag donate and a link will come up for you to click to sow your seed. If you, if you would rather use an app to sow your seed, as many people like to do, whether it's Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, that information's on the screen. By the way, the Venmo information is the same as Cash App, MWGive. And you can find our <clears throat> account through that username, MWGive. And we know there's people that like to send a check. If you do, then our mailing address is on the website at the very bottom of every page, miracleword.com. You'll find it there. You can make the check payable to Miracle Word Ministries. And by the way, all of your seeds that you're sowing are tax deductible as allowed by law in the United States of America. And uh, if you're giving from around the world, it's up to whatever your government allows uh, there in your home nation. Uh, but for those of you that are partnering with us that are sowing at least $1,000 or more this month, we're going to send you that beautiful uh, new genuine leather life application study Bible in the New Living Translation that we just got in. I liked it so much I took one from the office for myself because it is a beautiful, beautiful Bible filled with notes, uh, maps, uh, personality profiles on Bible characters, uh, theme data to help you understand who it was written to, when it was written, why it was written, uh, the context, all of that. It's a phenomenal study Bible, and we're going to send it to you. I'm going to sign it to you and your family just to tell you how much we love and appreciate you standing with us uh, as partners uh, of Miracle Word Ministry. We love you guys so much. Don't forget, those new courses are available. Mountain Moving Faith is our brand new course. This thing, I am so happy about this. We've been getting so much feedback uh, people are loving this. And some people, they already got it. They've already finished the entire course already. Uh, we want you to be involved as well. Most important course we've ever released. And then, of course, we put a bundle together so that you could get all four courses for only $199. That's 28% off the price. You get a course for free. Uh, and this will be a massive blessing to you. And it'll equip you for what God's called you to do. And uh, I want you to get involved with it. If you've never even taken a look uh, at the site, go to miraclewordu.com and check it out. Just browse through the courses. Look at the uh, video names in each course. You'll find out what you're learning. There's a description um, about the course, what we're going to teach you in it. And that's about 20 plus hours of teaching uh, in the bundle for only $199. That's, a, that's an amazing value. And uh, we've got some things that we're going to be doing in the upcoming weeks for even um, worshipers, piano tutorials, synth tutorials, things like that. It'll be great. I love you, Al. Matt, love you. Um, two, oh, look at that. 2.3 billion adherents, 31% uh, of the total world population of 7.3 billion. So Christians have the largest group at 2.3 billion. Uh, imagine if they left in the morning in the rapture. Let me pray for every person that's needing uh, prayer before we go into this weekend. I'm going to pray for those of you that need healing in your body, believing for deliverance, believing for family members to be saved. Father, in Jesus' name, touch your people. Heal them. If there's sickness attacking their body, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I command it to fall off, loose its grip on their life. Healing virtue flow through them today in the wonderful name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy toward us. 
Touch us today by your Holy Spirit and his power. We receive our healing. We receive our miracles, our deliverance, our joy, our peace, our financial increase. In Jesus' mighty name, we love you, Lord. We thank you. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. I love you guys so much. Listen, if you didn't get a chance to get the free chapter, I started to say this at the beginning, I forgot to say it. I sent out by text a free preview of my upcoming book, Further Faster, uh, a free preview of a chapter. Uh, It's the last chapter preview that we'll release before the book comes out. And if you'd like to read the one that I sent out, um, all you've got to do is go to miracleword.com forward slash text. And if you can go there and sign sign up on that form, what will happen is you'll put all your information into my phone book uh, contact list. And I'll send you a text. It'll be me. And you can text back and forth with me. If you have prayer requests, you can stay in in touch with me. But I'm going to text you a link uh, to download a PDF of the latest chapter of Further Faster. And uh, you're going to love it. I promise you that. The book is going to be great. I'm so excited for it. So here's what you do. If you want to be on this uh, conversation with me and you want to text me, go to miracleword.com forward slash text and sign up and I'll send you So many people are writing back saying how much they enjoyed it, how much they loved it. Thank you, Michael. Uh, But I want to get you this copy of this chapter uh, before the book comes out. And I want to hear from you uh, how how you're enjoying it. And if you've gotten other previews we've we've given, how you're enjoying the book so far. Uh, I'm so pumped to release it, man. It's coming out, I believe, this month. So just believe with me, man. I've got like one, one and a half more chapters to write and it's headed to the printer. And uh, I'm so, so excited for it. And uh, it's going to be great. I love you guys. And thank you for hanging with me today. Appreciate you every single day. And then listen, I'll be back in the Florida studio on Monday to be with you at 1030 a.m. Eastern time uh, here for the broadcast. Thanks to everybody that's sewing. Have a powerful weekend. I love and appreciate you guys so much. And I'll talk to you again very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.